Now in its third year, it's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels talking about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Sit back and enjoy, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 130 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio, and I am thrilled that you're listening. In this episode, I had the great pleasure of sitting down and talking with the recently appointed coach of the Port Melbourne VFLW squad, Sean Bunkle. And uh, Sean's family had hosted a, an American player, Tyler Ames, who was on a previous episode. And Tyler uh, pointed me in Sean's direction, and it was a great discussion uh, talking about footy at the level right below the AFLW. And uh, learned a lot from him. I think you'll like this, uh, this discussion that we had. Now, don't forget that you can find everything related to the podcast over at the website, ayankonthefooty.com. I hope you'll consider checking it out. You can leave me a voicemail there. You can share your views on an issue. You can leave a review for the podcast there if you choose to do so as well. You can also sign up for the mailing list. And if you like the way the show's going and you like what I'm doing, uh, consider helping me out over at my Buy Me a Coffee page. You can click on the little button uh, on the bottom left-hand corner of my website or the Donate button up at the top of the page as well. And if you're interested in any of the podcast gear, you can also head over to my Redbubble page, which is linked there as well. So I hope that you enjoy my chat with Sean Bunkle. So sit back and relax. This was a, a fun discussion. Had some laughs. And uh, I truly appreciate the time he put forth here because not long after we finished up this discussion, he had to hop in the car and head off to his first scrimmage that he was coaching with the club. My guest this episode is the newly appointed head coach of the Port Melbourne Borough VFLW squad. He spent many years working for AFL Victoria and was and is a host brother of my guest from episode 122, Tyler Ames. I'd like to welcome Sean Bunkle to the podcast. Sean, thanks for taking time out of your morning, sir. I appreciate you coming on. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. You bet. And I, I want to get it out of the way here uh, before we go too far in. Uh, this should have already happened. But uh, I, for the first time ever, I wrote down the wrong day in my date book in terms of when we were supposed to be talking. And I sat down yesterday afternoon when I got home from work and popped open LinkedIn to look at my messages. And you'd sent me a note, are you going to send me a Zoom link? And I'm thinking, yeah, I will tomorrow. And Turns out I was supposed to have sent it 12 minutes after you sent me that note. <laughs> so I uh I was I I screwed up. So I, you know, I I'm so glad you were able to sit down this morning. I, I didn't know what was going to happen because I didn't know what your training schedule with the club was going to be. So I'm I'm thrilled you were able to take some time out this morning and uh we were able to do this. So thanks a bunch and my humble apologies. No problem, Tom Zanes are hard, so <laughs> well, this is yeah. You know, this is the only one that I've I've screwed up. You know, I I even managed to do one where I I had an inter, uh, interview that I did with three different people, and one was in Melbourne, one was in Darwin, and one was in uh was in, in one, I can't remember the name of the city, but they were in India. So we we were in four different time zones when we did that one, and that was and I think the oh, gentleman wow. in, the gentleman in India was up at six o'clock in the morning for this. So I, I, I was going to say someone, someone's up early there. Yes, yes, he was. Yeah. So over the last uh, decade, you have worked in and around footy in a number of different capacities. Did you, did you know that, that you wanted to be involved in footy from a young age? And, and this is, you know, this was kind of the, the career path you were hoping to take. Yeah, I think for me, um, there's probably a few, few young people that could probably resonate with this but I think being being around community sport just growing up being a fan of professional sports I basically played everything obviously footy was one of my main passions during the time but um, you sort of just go through those teenage years uh, just absolutely loving sport is like the primary part of what you do with your life and I think you know there's a lot of kids that dream about playing at the top level being professional um, yeah worked that out at about 15 16. Um, that probably wasn't going to be me. <laughs> and it was really hard to think what else I'd do with my life. So, you know, I knew I love sport. I love people being around those sort of communities. So, yeah, for me, it was like, okay, if I can't play sport, um, you know, I want to work in it. So, 
Yeah, pretty much from, you know, my VCE, which is the end of high school. Um, I sort of knew what I wanted to do in terms of getting into sport. Didn't know exactly where that would be, but um, just anything around sport is, is something that I'd take and dream of. So, yeah, went to uh, university and studied sports, uh, sort of like sports management, sports development. Okay. Um, I guess that was, yeah, that was the start, sort of the start of my pathway getting into football and sport. So you spent you spent five years working with AFL Victoria in a couple different positions. You were a development manager and then the game development officer. Can you can you kind of walk us through what both of those positions were and what you were doing when you were working in this? And yeah, because I'll be honest, I have no clue. And there might be a number of other people that that do know, but probably some others that aren't sure. Yeah, sure. So um the yeah basically through uni I had a number of casual jobs um one of them I had towards the end of that was a game development officer role um I was also doing some work in like sports and events and doing different like um things like mountain bike events and other sort of sports programs um so yeah one of the I guess one of the jobs I got coming out of uni was uh the game development officer role which is it's basically a participation role where um we were trying to increase the amount of kids playing um footy so we do that through going out to school programs um Oz kick programs as well which is like an entry level uh football program to uh transition kids from not playing at all to having a go then into junior football which starts at sort of under eights under nines um yeah so a lot of the work as a game development officer role is you know going out to schools doing promotions just trying to get as many kids and people from the community into footy as we can uh, and then into the sort of the football development manager role, that was something that I got promoted into full time after doing the game development officer role for a couple of years. So um, essentially that was um, managing a group of staff who were the GDOs. Um, so we have sort of 10, 10 or so staff that would go and do those school clinics for me. And I just booked, yeah, booked them in and organised them. Uh, but then from the other side, I think the, the key part of the role was around coaching and club development. So I've sort of mentioned the first half, which is around participation and getting as many kids and different groups into the game as we can. Um, and then the other side of what we did with the coaching and club development was trying to improve the environment um, so that we could retain our people in the game effectively from what we would call like from cradle to sort of, you know, uh, retirement. So, um, yeah, we want them playing, you know, Auskick and participating in school, being fans of the game, playing junior footy, senior footy, vets. Um, social footy, AFL nines. Um, yeah, that second part was all about making a great environment. So with great okay. coaching and great, and great clubs offering really good social environments, uh, we know that that would keep, yeah, keep people around. So yeah, essentially just help our clubs um, become better in those areas. And you, you got, when you got started in this back in, I think 2015, if I read correctly, this was, you know, we're still basically a year away from the, AFLW getting off the ground the first year of that which I believe was 2016 so were, was there a, a concerted effort to try to grow the game for young girls at the Auskick level to try to introduce them to the to it yeah absolutely so we um I feel very fortunate in my time that just um just when I'd hopped into the AFL, obviously this was a trend that was kicking off and it was, um, it was just fantastic for me to be part of that. And, and yeah, absolutely. There was, there were so many things across the years that we, we worked on to develop that space as well. Um, so when I first arrived, um, I worked out of like sort of the Eastern suburbs of Melbourne. So we had a league or association that looked after that sort of part of Melbourne that ran all the comps. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. When we first started, there was seven, I think seven girls teams. And that was like the first girls comp that we've ever had. So before that, the girls up to the age of 14 would play with the boys. Um, and then after that, um, they would have to play yeah, in a women's side or basically open age. So really that's not a, an environment that's really appropriate for, you know, 14, 15 year old girls to come into. Some played in it, but, um, you know, obviously most of that period sort of went away from the game and did other sports and might've come back later. So I guess that's certainly something that I think, you know, unacceptable for our game and we need to make sure that we're offering you know a competition or a mm -hmm. program at each level so um yeah now this is fantastic we had a new league there were seven teams 
Um, and then that went from seven to 17 in year two. And then I think, yeah, third year was like 37. Wow. And I think in my fourth year, it was 37 to like 80. And there's now 140. So wow. yeah, across like That's a five-year period, we went from like seven girls teams to like 140 senior and junior teams across all grades from under 10s to, yeah, open age. Um, so that now meant that sort of wherever you lived in the area or whatever age you were, there was a club that you could play at, which was which fantastic. fantastic. So that yeah, we did that, I guess, off the back of that. We wanted to build the depth through Auskick. So yeah, like you said, we had like uh, programs tailored towards attracting um, yeah, more fe- yeah, more females and girls into the game, um, which then yeah, translated into yeah, more, more teams playing. Uh, in junior footy and the um I think I, mean, I think most of the credit really goes to the clubs um the yeah the volunteers and the committees at the clubs are fantastic they put you know their heart and soul into organizing a lot of the programs that run I guess from our area we sort of try and help clubs where they want it and we provide resources and things like that but ultimately the the work gets done by the the community so um it was just amazing what our clubs achieved yeah, during that time. And I think all the credit really goes to them. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, and we're probably approaching the point in time within the next like three years or so where some of those young girls that you brought into Auskick back when you started out are going to be of the age, if they've stuck with the game, that they're going to be of the age where they may be playing in the VFLW or possibly in the AFLW because they're going to have been reaching that game of that age of 18, 19, years of age at that point in time. So you're going to start to see, you know, one, yes, you certainly want to grow the game and the the appreciation and the love for the game simply for the sake of playing it. But now that the the women's comp is in place, you, you, you certainly want to be able to, as you said, to help grow the game and put the stuff in place to help rise, you know, the, the level of, of the young people who were there, they're going to be filling those roles within a few years. So you kind of got in on the ground yeah, floor of that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the AFL, like as you know, it's a very, um, it's a very, it's actually like a hard game to play. It's a very fun game, but it's very challenging. There's so many different, you know, attributes, uh, mm-hmm. different areas of the ground that you know you need to learn. Like the the actual fundamental skill of kicking in our game is actually a really hard one. So um, versus some of the sports like you know soccer, the ball's on the ground, it's easy to kick. Um, there's some other closed sports that have, I guess, less skills involved in it. Um, whereas AFL, there's so many different skills you've got to learn. Um, the game itself is so random. It's like the most random game. So like when you're trying to like understand how it works and, and you know, where to be to get the ball, mm-hmm. um, it's very hard. So, I mean, if I compare that to netball, um, you know, net, netball, you've got to stand still, you've got to pass the ball. Lots of people are going to get the ball because you can't move with it. Um, and the court's very small and there's only seven people on the court. So it's like the game's less random, whereas AFL, there's, you know, up to 18 people on the ground. It's massive. Um, it's a really hard game. So, yeah, it, it can take sometimes 10 years to really understand how that works properly. So, yeah, like you said, if you've played Auskick and you've done under 10s all the way through to seniors, which is where we're getting to now, um, yeah, those girls uh, and the just the skill level, the understanding of the game, um, the quality and like the standards just the, every year that that base just lifts higher and higher um so it is it is really exciting for the future of the sport and um being in my role in the talent space so outside of my work I've, i sort of coach as well as you know uh so back back then i was coaching at um eastern rangers which is a like a development pathway so if you're if you're in a particular area of melbourne in a zone um, it's what's called like representative footy where we would select say the best 50 girls within a part of Melbourne um, to come trial with us. And then each year, each week we would play against the other regions across Victoria. Um, so that's basically from under 15 to under 18. So c- coaching that pathway over like the last five years from when I first got there, which is the very first program we had in the talent pathway, mm-hmm. um, which was, yeah, maybe back in 2016 or 17 um like I was one of the coaches there in that very first year to see where it's come from there to like where it is now it's just yeah it's just amazing um and that's still just the beginning of what's coming into the senior space right, so right. yeah it's just going to get better and better yeah because you know I, you know I've had conversations with people about the the uh you know the 
the growth of the AFLW, you know, expanding from 14 to 18 clubs. And, and I, yeah, and I, I asked a question, I said, you know, is there going to be enough talent to, to fill if I'm not mistaken, around 35 players per list. So like 140 new spots. And I'm, and I wasn't factoring in the fact that we have all this backfill, if you will, of these young players who are coming up through it. So, yeah, I, I think that they're going to have very little trouble filling out these lists when it, when it comes time for these new clubs to come in. Now it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where all the players are going to be coming from, you know, because again, with, with the AFLW being a, you know, a professional sport, similar to how the VFL used to be years ago, where the players were not full-time players that, you know, is, is a, is a player from Victoria going to want to make the trek to Sydney or to play for Port Adelaide or, you know, whatever the case may be. Now the Charlie, Charlie Robottom, for example, uh, who was, you know, drafted by Gold Coast, you know, made the decision. So I'm not mistaken, she is from Victoria and made the trek up to the Gold Coast to play for them, correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, and it is for them, it's part-time at the moment. Right. And there's obviously, a, you know, big disparity there. And I guess you obviously if you compare that to the men's and um, being full-time professional and where they're at playing in a, you know, professional top-tier competition, but it's still part-time. So, um yeah, it's I have like an immense respect for, for all the athletes in that space, being able to juggle and manage all the different things they need to do. And yeah, sometimes like Charlie's an example that, you know, she, yeah, she's now in a different state um, where she's got to relocate. Uh, and there's obviously some challenges, you know, around that as well. And I think some, some clubs do a great job of, uh, I guess, looking after their players in that sense, which is really good. Um, so yeah, it's certainly... Um, it's certainly the, a massive challenge. And I think as time goes on, we just want to keep taking steps towards bridging that gap. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'd be, it makes sense, but I'd be super confident that um, when they go full-time, obviously the, the standard of the competition will skyrocket because they can put their full attention to being a professional athlete. Right, right. Um, and we've probably seen similar, I think we've seen similar um, advancements in, in cricket in some sense with the women's cricket. So they're sort of pushed closer towards that, you know, that full-time professionalism and um, through, you know, being able to be paid full-time and, and you can see the, yeah, the impact that has. Okay. So you, you know, you, you said, you, you know, you mentioned you were coasting, coaching for the Eastern ranges and I, and I, so when they're using the term range that you're talking about when you're, you, as you mentioned earlier, that's like a specific, geographical location on the map is where is where you were drawing the players from so and hence the name the eastern range there correct yeah well the eastern ranges is actually um that's our name because we um we have a, a mountain range right behind where we um where we okay train. okay um, so it's kind of like iconic for our area but um yeah think of it this way so so basically um victoria is divided up into um firstly the country and then metro Mm-hmm. So if you're in Metro Melbourne, there are six clubs that are located there, and then there are six clubs that are located in the country. So effectively, Victoria has been divided up into 12 areas, 12 regions, and then those 12 regions are each club that plays each other. Okay. So for example, in Melbourne, we have like Oakley Chargers standing, like Sandringham Dragons. Um, you know, we've got Northern Knights, uh, Calder Cannons, and we have uh, yeah Eastern Rangers. Okay. So I, I guess yeah, I was, it was in the Eastern area, but it was, yeah, I don't, wasn't, I wasn't aware of the mountain range there, but maybe that's one of the places where you can snow ski. Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, well. Little, little Probably snows there maybe once or twice a year. Little short skis then. Uh, so you also work for the city of Borundara, if I correct, correctly pronounce that. Yep. Okay. So you, you, you've worked as the sports liaison officer and uh, now as the facility development uh, officer as well. So are these activities, well, the, the sports liaison officer, of course, is, is still involved with sports similar to what you have been in other positions, but are, are you still working within sport uh, today with the, uh, the new position that you have? 
Yeah, so effectively, like I made that move out of working for the AFL. Um, you know, as I was really, I think what I loved about sort of working in sport was was having like an impact in the community, which I was in my AFL role. But I guess for me, moving to local government was an opportunity to, I guess, widen the focus outside of just football. So obviously working for the AFL, everything you do is about generally about the game and growing the game and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Whereas now um, being in local government is more thinking about things from a, um, like our role is providing facilities so that um, the sports club can uh, obviously have places to play, but the community have access to different grounds and um, whether it's, you know, tennis courts, lawn bowls, football grounds, open space. Um, so we're obviously the custodians of the, of the land. Um, so our approach is more about thinking about sport as like a tool and like recreation as a tool for like health and well-being. So it's a bit of a different focus. And I think I've really enjoyed um, being able to sort of widen that focus around what I do for work. So yeah, I'm still involved in sport, but it's not so much just focusing on AFL. It's focusing about like... So it's a, commu- um, it's a community-wide thing. It's involved in trying to, you know, it's kind of like for the the healthfulness of the entire populace rather than trying to, you know, grow as you had been doing before, like Auskick and the juniors and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's right. So the state, the state sporting bodies like the AFL or, you know, Tennis Victoria or Cycling Victoria, like their their job is to try and grow their games and we sort of help support Mm -hmm. them with that. But our role is to think about the community and who, um, even from a perspective of who like who might be disadvantaged and like how can we try and help okay um you know disadvantaged groups or underrepresented groups get more access to grounds and things like that and then how can we build new facilities and um yeah new sports ground and things like that so we can service what the community needs a lot better well that's one um, of the, that's so, one of the yeah that's been that's one of the neat things about footy is that yeah. you know there's there's not exactly a a huge amount of equipment that you're purchasing. You know, it's basically, you know, pair, pair of boots some shorts and a jumper and you're pretty much set and a ball, you know, you're pretty, you pretty much are, are set with, you know, of course you're needing a place to play and that's when they come to you and figure out where that's going to happen. Then, you know, it, it's not like, you know, um, you know, ice hockey where you've got, you know, you know, dozens and dozens of pads or, or gridiron football where you've got all this equipment that you have to, you know, adhere to yourself in order to go out and play this game and it's fun watching that you know i teach high school kids so it's fun watching the high school kids see the activity in the afl and they realize that wait a minute these guys aren't wearing any pads and they they have a whole they have a whole different respect for these guys it's 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 fascinating to watch them when they when they see some of the hard hits and that sort of thing taking place in in footy that they they're thinking these guys are nuts (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's it's definitely a brutal game at times. Yes, yeah. It's, but um, uh, no, coming back to what you're saying, though, no, like that's definitely um, yeah, definitely spot on. Like yeah, you think about ice hockey. Um, I used to actually play a bit of ice hockey in line when I was when I was younger, and you can see everything that goes into it. Like as as an individual, the barriers to participation. Like there's only so many facilities. They're really expensive to run and build. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all the equipment you need. Um, if you think of someone who's coming from like a low socioeconomic background, they might not necessarily have the ability to travel long distances to go, go there. Um, they might not have the resources to be able to buy all these pads and pay for insurance and the high membership fees to use the expensive facilities. So um, yeah, that's why when we think of it, like we think about the community and, and, and what can um, benefit them. Um, we're trying to find ways through sport and recreation that, um, you know, it's easy for people from, from those kind of backgrounds that are, yeah, have, have those barriers that others don't. Okay. So you recently moved into a new position and we kind of alluded to it. So, you know, a, a little over a month ago, you got a new job as the, now, do they refer, you know, cause I know at the V at the AFL level, they refer to it as senior coach, but in at the VFLW, do they refer to it as senior coach or head coach? Um, oh, they're probably interchangeable. Okay. But, uh, okay. You can call it. You can call okay. It so, coach. so you you were recently appointed the senior coach of the Port Melbourne Borough VFLW squad, and uh, I have to ask, 
how excited are you about this? Oh, yeah, it makes it sort of, um, for me, you sort of got to pick yourself sometimes to, to be in, in a role like this where you get the, yeah, the opportunity to lead a club like Port Melbourne, um, particularly in the women's space where they're, they're effectively coming off, you know, their first season at the VFL level. So it's very, you know, very early on for them and, and the ability to try and, I guess, set, you know, set the path that they're going to go on and, and how they, um, you know, how they succeed and, and the culture of, of that program is, um, yeah, something just extremely, extremely excited about and sort of, uh, it's on my mind every day. It sort of feels like, you know, I've got a full-time job, but, um, you know, the coaching really is like my passion and drive and it sort of gets me up in the morning and, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's been a great, great staff there to support me. Got a great history at the club. Um, the playing group there as well. It's just an amazing bunch of girls or women. Um, yeah, who've just been uh, really welcoming and um, we've got a really talented group as well that we're really excited for. So we've actually got our first practice game today after this. So okay. um, that's, that's, one, that's the one with the, Hawthorne. Uh, that's with yeah. Hawthorne, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. So that, you know, Hawthorne's getting ready to come into the comp next year. So um, your, your club is the, the VFLW side for the Richmond Tigers. So part of, part of your list is made up of players who are on the Tigers list, but just may not be named to play in that particular rounds game. Correct. Yeah, that's right. So um, yeah, Richmond might say have yeah, 30, 30 players on their list. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if they're selecting 21, then that's nine players that don't play for them that week. Um, obviously, that doesn't factor for injuries. So there's always going to be a couple that are injured and unavailable anyway. But um, yeah, effectively, what will happen if there are any players out, out of that nine that aren't injured that are available to play, um, they'll come back and effectively play for Port Melbourne that week. So it sort of fluctuates each week and you don't always know what you're going to get. Right, right. Um, and that's just the nature of, I guess, the VFL system and how it works. So the the, the remainder of your list, then these are players that are, are that are tied exclusively to Port Melbourne, but are not necessarily affiliated with the Tigers. Yeah, that's correct. So we we have our own list. So Port Melbourne um, are able, and every VFL club has list thirty players. Okay, so, so twenty of them will be on your primary list, which is anyone and then there'll be 10 that are on what's called like your development list so eight of them are category a which means eight players under the age of 22 and then there's category b which is um there's some other spec- like spe- specification around that like cross coders um or like multicultural background or indigenous background so yeah. um there's obviously those two spots on your list to try and encourage yeah, okay. players from different backgrounds and give them opportunities as well. So let's just let's just say, for example, because again, I'm not sure how this exactly works, but let's just say that uh, the AFLW side was hit by a rash of injuries and knock on wood, it doesn't happen. And they don't have enough of their own players, you know, because I know we've had like, for example, the the Western Bulldogs played their first game yesterday in like three weeks because of COVID protocols and such, but would, if they didn't have enough to bring up the 21, would, would they be able to select players from your Port Melbourne side to come play with the, the Tigers then? Is that how that would work? Yeah. So what they do is they, um, they had players that actually train with them that aren't on the list. So okay. commonly we refer to them as like train-ons. Um, and Outside of that, I know that they're actually, because of COVID, there are some that are now listed as like train on players under that. And they're okay. almost considered like, kind of like almost like a reserve. Okay. Um, so we, we at the moment have six players that are on AFL train on lists. So we have four at Richmond and two at North Melbourne. Okay. So yeah, at any given time, like like you said, if, if something like that happened, they can actually reach to those players and... Um, sign them so yeah if you had a rash of injuries every time you have an injury you'd be putting someone on injury reserve okay and then you'll be um elevating a player who's been training on with you so the first one for us was actually um beth lynch 
so who is the sister of um, Tom at Richmond. Mm -hmm. So she was signed on as a Port Melbourne player. She trained with us pre-season. She was also training on with Richmond as well. And then um, someone, I think, in a practice game had a season-ending injury. So she was put onto the injury reserve and then Beth Lynch was elevated okay, um, cool. and got a contract with Richmond who actually ended up playing in their round one to, to three, I think, actually. So, um, yeah, it can happen. Terrific. That's great to know. So, as you said, later on today, you have your first practice match. Um, how, how are you going to know that, you know, this being your first year with the side, how are you going to know that this year is a success for you? Yeah, I think, I think we're really trying to build like the foundation of, um, you know, the culture of the club. So I think you can get into the trap of like, just looking at the outcome. So mm -hmm. if that's, oh, we want to win this many games or, you know, we want to play in a grand final this year. Um, you know, some of those things are out of your control. You just don't know what's, you know, what's going to happen. So I guess what we're trying to really work on is the success will be around, you know, a couple of things. I think from like an on-field like on perspective, it's around like not so much winning the performance. So like we expect our players to perform to, at their highest level. Mm -hmm. So, you know, player availability, um, and then performance that we measure across, you know, individuals in different areas as a team. We've got, you know, metrics that we'll look for. So um, that's from like an on-field perspective, what we expect. And then um, from like an off-field, like I think the, the club culture um, and our behaviours are probably the really important measuring stick for us. So um, I guess we've almost got that development focus in a sense that we want to know um, that if, we're, if our players are getting better, uh, and we're working as a team better on the on the things that we've been looking at. Mm -hmm. That's really important for us early on. And then, um, yeah, no doubt as the season, you know, the season goes on, obviously that, you know, that pressure does come there with the, the wins and losses and things like that. But right, right. we've just got to stick to stick to our process of, of the way that we want to play. And um, the behaviours around like the way we operate off and on the ground. And I know that if we you know, if we do play the way that we want to play and, and um, off the field, we have that culture that we're looking for and that um, what we see at the training track, off the field, and then on the game day, like I know once you get those things right, that the wins and the losses, you know, will add up. So, yeah, we don't want to be like a sort of talent-based team that's just like trying to, you know, focus like on the skill and ability and, and the outcome of each game. It's really about how we approach the game each week is the most important thing. Um, and how we treat each other around the club and, uh, and what we're building in that aspect is, yeah, it's the most important. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a cat supporter. So, you know, the, the women's side has, has not had a lot of success on the ladder, but week in and week out, you look for, you know, the positives, the, the growth, as you were talking about there that, you know, that, you know, last year, you know, and even this year, they've played very well as a defensive side, but they just have not the the offensive skill set has not caught up with them yet to allow them to you know to attack the, the the goal square as as often as they would like right now but a lot of other things have gone well for them defensively and they've held some you know good sides to relatively low scores because they you know they've been able to keep them off the scoreboard so yeah it's uh as uh somebody that i talked to last year who was a hawthorne supporter uh when they were talking about the 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 men's comp their season last year they said they were looking for green shoots that they wanted to see growth of of the side so i mean that's you know that i thought that was a great term to use so I've, I've kind of you know hijacked that one if you will and that's kind of what i'm looking for with you know with the cats as well as seeing is seeing the green shoots and hopefully that pays off for them next year so would would you say that uh you're more nervous or more confident going into today um i think I mean, if you if, if you put it on the spectrum, like probably more confident. I okay. feel like um, you know the club and, and what we've done from putting a list together is been really good. Like I feel like we're in a really strong position with the you know the group of players we've got. Um, so you know in that respect, that's one thing. And then you know working with, I guess the group of players we've got. Like you know I'm confident that we can go out there and perform the way that we want to perform based off, off the behaviours that we're looking to see okay. and, you know, the development and the way we want to play the game. So 
Um, if I was going out there today to try and win it, um, and that was the sole focus, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure it's like we're coming up against a really strong Hawthorne side today. Uh, we don't have our Richmond players. We've got a couple of our leaders who are injured at the moment. So, um, yeah, I just don't know what, you know, what's what the outcome's going to be today. But um, I guess we're just trying to cement the other way we want to play and um, those behaviours that go with it and how we treat each other. So, from that aspect, like, I'm really confident based off the feeling around the group, you know, the excitement, um, all those things that, like, I know that, yeah, I'm really confident we're going to do those things really well today. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'm sort of focused on the right things and feeling good. Okay. So I uh, want to take a little bit of a detour here now. I, I uh, episode that I released a couple of weeks ago was with someone that you are very familiar with, um, Tyler Ames. Uh, epi- uh, it was episode 122. And he was actually hosted by your parents to live with them when he came to Melbourne from Darwin. How, how did your how did your family get involved in in hosting Tyler and it, it was he the first person or is this something that they've done on a regular basis? Yeah, sure. I think um, I think I'm not sure what actually all stemmed from, but um, my dad's always been a bit of a local legend in football community level. He's always got involved administratively as a he used to play back at Montrose, which was my home club. Um, also was the president there for many years, secretary. Um, so he's always been involved in footy and, and that kind of thing and uh, in multiple clubs. And I think, yeah, initially somehow there was a connection there with the US where there were some players that were looking to come across. Um, and I know there are some other, other people here in Australia that sort of work with like some transition programs, which is you know, how Tyler ended up in, in Darwin. They've, they've got a contact up there as well. Um, and there's one out in you know, WA as well through, I think, Tony Fairhead. So. Somehow, yeah, to start, my uh, dad was involved with that and thought it was a great idea for while he was president or chairman at Montrose that, you know, we would do a bit of a transfer program where some of our players um, could go to the US and experience being part of a USAFL club for a okay. year, okay. as well as having a couple of players come spend some time with us. So I think the first player that actually came out was um, Ben Carpenter. I'm not sure if you... Um, no, that's not a name I'm familiar with. Him, I think he used to... I'm going to have to learn. I think he's represented. Um, that's right. I think he's represented the uh, the national side there as well. It's quite a good player from Austin, Texas, where he was originally oh, you know from. What? So you he actually what? was the first one. He he did mention his name when I spoke to him. He did mention his name. You're right. Because I asked him if it was Ben Martinez who played with Austin, uh, who's from Perth, um, and I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> no, that's so, a good say. So yeah, he, he was the first one actually came over. Um, so he came, played with us, um, and then, yeah, continued to stay. Eventually, his visa ran out, so he had to move around. But um, the next one that came out was Tyler. So um, Tyler did the same thing as Ben, come played at Montrose. Um, what was initially just one year, one season, uh, and then Tyler was able to acquire some work that was able to sponsor him and stay. So, yeah, he's sort of been, been here ever since. I think he's played, yeah, obviously a couple of seasons at Montrose and then is now with... Um, with okay so you know you, you know he was with you are there are there any good uh tyler Ames stories that that we didn't hear about during that discussion is there anything that you can share that uh isn't going to mortify him too much yeah i think um i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of tyler stories out there he's a, he's a really funny guy i think um it's just yeah i mean he's obviously super positive, um, infectious kind of, um, mm-hmm. just a great guy to be around, good friend, um, you know, really good mentor. Um, you know, at the same time, he likes to, um, you know, he likes to party and things like that as well from the past. So he's certainly someone that uh, just wants to get out there and make friends with everyone. So pretty much most nights out or, you know, days or anywhere you go, whether you're just out and about in Melbourne, you'll probably lose him at some point. Um, he's off, <laughs> off making friends somewhere else. So he's had a few of those now. I think he's even had a few few run-ins with a lot of celebrities, he had, like Australian celebrities that have, he has absolutely no idea who, who, who they are. And then he starts talking about them. We're like, oh, that's um, that's Paul Kelly, mate. Like, the guy's a, a really well, famous guy. Yeah, that, that, that he plays, that the, that older group that plays footy in the park that he <laughs> yeah. talked about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so like he's out there playing, uh, just having a kick at the park with an Australian 
uh, you know, songwriting legend. Uh, <laughs> the greatest strongest songwriter Australia might have had, arguably. And uh, yeah, he's just out there having a laugh and having a kick with him and has no idea. So that's very much, um, yeah, very much Tyler. He's a bit of a, a puppy dog like that at times, but incredibly, yeah, incredibly intelligent, driven guy um, as well. But you, you'd have to think that that was, you know, rather, a, maybe rather, because I don't, I don't know, you know, whether throngs of people are following Paul Kelly around. But, you know, I think he had to appreciate this, this unassuming gentleman who was just hanging out with them, who wasn't there like, oh, I know who you are. I want to hang out with you. He just thought, okay, this is kind of a fun group. I'll hang out with you. Oh, you're famous. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> he wasn't, it didn't get too caught up in that. So that, that's kind of, it's kind of a neat thing. Yeah. It's definitely one of um, Tyler's, Tyler's great traits is he just treats everyone the same. So yeah, whether you are famous or, you know, could be homeless or anyone, like we'll just treat you the same way. Yeah, he just he just seems like such a genuine genuine person. So you know, I didn't ask you this, but who who did you support growing up? Who, you know, what club did you support growing up? And is it still is it still the same club now, or have you had to change your allegiances due to the new job? No, I sat through um, Melbourne Melbourne Demons is the club I went for, so I sat through okay. a lot of pain growing up watching them. And uh, yeah, this year was um, this year was really nice for for a change to watch them. Uh, watch them play the way they did throughout the year. And I think um, coming back to some of the stuff I was talking about before, I was actually really, in previous years, it's been very like a club that's been very frustrating to watch because they've always shown potential and they've got talented players, but they're up and they're down. Um, so I used to, you always, being a Melbourne fan, you, you know, you lose your shit and um, it's, 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 hard, it's tough watching. But um, this year I was actually really relaxed watching them. They were just the way they played the game each week mm -hmm. um, just with the effort, the way they kept showing up. Um, they didn't win every single game this year and they probably lost, you know, two against Adelaide or, or Collingwood. But in, in both those games, they, you know, things didn't quite click for them. But, you know, I still admire throughout week in, week out, the way they played the game. And by the end of the year, they hit their straps. They were yeah. Yeah. at their peak and they were just unbeatable. So um, in some ways, that's what we talk about when you want to be like a more of a behaviour-based team where it's just like, regardless of who you're playing, um, you know, who's in your side, who's in, who's out, you know, these are the things that are non-negotiable. And uh, yeah, to watch Melbourne this year, like I, I wasn't really even stressed the whole way through the final series. Really? Like I, you just felt like they had everything in place and the way they played was, you know, obviously. I have, this, I have this funny feeling that you're not going to have to be very stressed again this year. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they've they, they still got all the pieces. They're young. You know, the only thing that could really stop them is their own mentality. Yeah. So which, I guess we'll see. We'll see what sort of hunger comes out round one, round two, and we'll see if they're the same or whether that's true. That's true. So I kind of mentioned this to you. Uh well, I'll get to these in a second here, but I want to go back to women's footy here. Uh and a couple more footy related questions before we kind of wind down here with some of these other these other ones here. But where do you yep. think we'll see women's footy over the next decade? Where do you think it's gonna be? Yeah. I think the first thing that we've already spoken about is probably just like that incremental improvement each year. We're going to continue to obviously see the standard rise. Um, you know, I think the, the AFL obviously put some things out there around the resourcing aspect to the sport mm -hmm. and how we want it to, you know, achieve greater equality in that space. So I think, yeah, I think the gap, the gap in equality will reduce, which is, which is fantastic. Uh, will it happen over the next year or two? Probably not. But, you know, I hope by that 10-year period that that's, that's where I expect us to be at. Um, that's something that I'll continue to advocate for, being, you know, being where I am in the sport and something that I'm really passionate about. I think that's why I enjoy being part of the women's space in that sense, that I want to continue to, you know, push for that equality and, and raise the standard of um, female sport in the AFL. Um, yeah, hopefully by that point we see you know, as like professional athletes being paid as professional athletes. And I think that'll be one of the biggest turning points that once it becomes a full-time pursuit, um, obviously the skill standard, everything will go through the roof, which will be great. Um, and I think the flow and effect that has for um, young people and, and girls who are sort of in their teenage years, who are talented players playing different sports, I think you'll even see that that'll attract more of the most talented um, 
you know, females in the youth space want to be in the AFL space mm-hmm. because at centre stage, you know, we're getting paid as professionals. So that'll become, you know, really attractive as well. And then that has, I think, has a massive flow and effect. Um, so instead of losing, you know, girls to basketball or other sports, they'll, right, right. You know, they'll want to be in, in the AFL because that's centre stage. Do you think that the... Uh... Do you think that the women's game will have to continue to be played as kind of a summer to late summer into fall sport? Be, so it's not necessarily competing head to head week to week with the men's comp. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think my, my understanding of like the logistics behind the game is probably like limited in a sense. So um, those who are in those competition roles, um, you know, particularly working at AFL level, have placed things where they are probably because it's like the best spot at the moment where it fits. Um, something that's like just an idea and not not even a suggestion or anything, but I wonder whether, you know, could we ever get to a point where we can have a like side-by-side season? I think that particularly if we're at that space where we've become professional now and then the athletes are paid full-time, um, maybe it can replicate what the AFL men's are doing and um, who knows? Like maybe they could, can be played as curtain raisers. Um, yeah, that, that, you know, that's a great be fantastic. idea. If you, if you went to a game and it was like, all right, like, you know, on Saturday, Saturday late afternoon, you know, Richmond v. St Kilda are playing. And then at the night, straight after that, you've got the men's. I think that, similar to why, I guess, what the, you know, if you think about the US Open or Australian Open, like you get the women playing just before, like, the men and they're, they're part of the same night. Right, right. Um, I think commercially that would really help support the women because you've already got people at the stands you've already got all the staff that are ready there yeah. like yeah yeah i think i mean i think that makes sense i know there's logistical issues with that and like you could yeah. go through that and i i would i would never i would never get any sleep in the summertime i mean i i i mean i've, I've watched every you know every women's game so far this year through the first three and a half rounds I've watched every single one of them and I and I try to watch you know I, and I I think I do watch every one of the men's games as well but that would be tough to you know to have you know 18 games a week to be watching I, I don't even know if I could do that but it'd be a, it'd be a good challenge <laughs> to have though so yeah, definitely. yeah so I was going to ask you um you know you live in the Melbourne area and uh, Melbourne was went through some unique circumstances over the last couple of years with regards to lockdowns and such. And I'm not going to get into the lockdowns themselves, but I did want to ask you what were the the worst parts about lockdowns and the best part about lockdowns? um, I'll get the worst out of the way straight straight off. Obviously, yeah, yeah, being fairly confined indoors is, is tough only being out, you know, there was periods there we're only supposed to be out of the house for, something like two hours so for someone who is um you know very social um and physically active I guess that's a challenge when you find yourself confined in you know in, in a house so yeah I mean I found that you know massively challenging I think I've told you one of the reasons why I like football is because of the camaraderie and just the, the social connection around being around a group of people um so from yeah from a work perspective like I didn't find it that hard but just from a you know family and friends um and football perspective like not having that connection is is tough it was tough um whereas uh i guess looking on the um you know the the positive end for it i think in some respects we get caught up doing so much stuff in our life that um you know our calendars somehow fill up really quickly and, Mm -hmm. and we don't really think about like what's essential what's important for us um so for me, it was like almost like an opportunity to reset some things and, you know, how I wanted to go about it and almost redevelop new habits that I really wanted to do. So, yeah, I mean, the best part of lockdown for me was it was like an opportunity where I started to, I guess, invest in myself a bit more from like a personal development aspect. So I started, you know, reading books, um, you know, sort out like a mentor, someone that I can really bounce off and help me develop, which Tyler, you know, does that for me. He's someone that, you know, I'm always you know, talking with and, you mm-hmm. know, all about these personal struggles and journeys and what I'm trying to work on. And yeah, the books, the podcasts, that sort of stuff was one thing. Another okay. thing for me was my health. So I think I lost 10 kilos during that period because I started going for a run each day and going to gym, which are habits that I still do 
to this very day. Um, so from yeah, from a health perspective, like I've never been fitter. I feel like from from a yeah personal growth perspective, I've made these enormous jumps in the last two years, which has been part of me probably being able to progress in the workplace, which has been awesome as a leader in, in you know in the coaching space as well. And then um, yeah, from a health fitness space is great. And then even my relationship with um, my wife, I think, has strengthened through that time. It's been amazing to have all the extra time with her working at home, which is which is the other positive of the lockdowns is it's now proven, I think, to employers that we can work from home and that mm-hmm. it can work. Um, so, yeah, I've been working from home for the last two and a half years. Um, it's still been you know, going really well. And same with my wife. So we get to work with each other every day, um, spend lunch together, which is something that... Uh, yeah, it's been amazing. So they're, they're certainly the positive cool. that have come out of it. For me. Very cool. Well, you you mentioned you mentioned habits during that response there, and actually the next question that I had jotted down here was, do you have a habit that you've tried to start or one that you tried to quit? Yep, I think starting with yeah the stuff I'm trying to build was yeah I think the the health habits. So going to the gym each day um, and going for a run, things like that were the start of that. Um, I think the most important thing too, there's, there's actually a fantastic book called um, Atomic Habits, which I sort of gained a lot of insight and like some of these kind of ideas from, um, which was just incrementing it over time. So I just like started off really small, I'd run like a K or something and that's it, mm-hmm. stop. But the idea was that I had to be consistent and it was something that I wanted to do on a daily basis. Um, and then I just did the same with that in terms of reading. So every day I would read for sort of 15, 20 minutes. I'd listen to like a podcast um and when i say reading podcasts they're generally stuff that's like kind of educational or sort of in some respect trying to get me to think about something so sort of all non-fiction stuff and then outside of that um i think reaching out to people every day was one of the habits that was really important for me and that, and that connecting for that period so i just okay. reach out to two or three people a day and send them a text to see how they're going um try and have a chat on the phone with someone um those were something that was part of me what i did every day and i still okay. do now um and yeah, there's some stuff around some you know, healthy eating and, and what I need to do there. They're probably probably some of the key key things outside of um, maybe journaling every day as well, just to like write out my plan for the day and be more structured. And that's been massive for me, just getting more stuff done on the daily. Hold yourself accountable. Uh, and they would be all my habits yeah. that I started two years ago that I still do now. And I guess I'm not trying to add too many more. It's just I'm just okay. trying to keep them up. Okay. These are my like four or five things I do a day. And, and keep it to that and try and I guess social media has been one of trying to reduce TV time um, yeah I think just trying to yeah there's times when I relax and I do like watching TV and stuff but it's like um, I don't need to be watching TV for four hours a day um, it's kind of scary how long you spend on social media as well um, that's been something I've definitely tried to uh, to limit Okay. Yeah, that's social media and things like that. I mean, I, I, don't I, yeah. I don't spend a, I don't spend a great deal of time on it if it's not necess- if it's not related to the podcast. I just don't. I used to spend a yeah. lot of time on it doing different things, but I just if it's if it's podcast related, yeah, you're gonna find me on multiple ones. You know, engaging with people about that. But other than that, I don't I don't get yeah. into a lot of the little you know political arguments or the arguments about other sporting events or things like that. I I just don't. I don't generally engage in those kinds of things because it's I I've got I'm so busy with doing this as a as a hobby which you know is you know has gotten to where it's been you know I spend a lot of time doing it so I'm still in, absolutely enjoying doing it though so let me let me uh, ask you this one here if you were guaranteed to get the correct answer what is one question that you would ask. Um, well, it's a good question. Never been asked that before either. <laughs> um, maybe off the top of my head, just thinking like, well, what is, what are the things I need to do to get the best out of myself? Okay. One of them. Okay. Uh, now you've been, uh, you just got a new gig. You've, you've done some work, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, organizing things at different facilities and such. Well, you just got a new one. We just hired you. You are now putting on a music festival 
at Marvel Stadium. And of course, we know Kanye West will not be coming, according to the news that we saw here over the last day or so. Kanye won't be there because the Saints and Blues, I believe, or maybe it's the Saints and Magpies. One of those two games is happening there. Uh, what three artists are you going to come have perform? That's a good question. Um... Probably one of my favorite bands is the Killers. They'll be on the top. Okay. Uh, definitely have them them over, and they don't come over often either. So that would be good. Um, they actually played at the uh, grand final one year, which was great. Um, I'd probably have them, um, and that's the one that Jack Reed probably most of my right? artists I listen. Yeah, that's the one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Probably the other two for me. Probably more like local bands. Like uh, they're probably Australian bands. Might not have heard of, but uh, like Gang of Youth, Spacey Jane are both sort of rock bands. Okay, Australia. That's um, that's kind of my now I seen music. I I had a uh, a gentleman who I I do talk to quite frequently, who's a Geelong supporter, uh, that sent me that mentioned to me a band a band out of Geelong that I I've seen a few of their videos that I really liked. A band called Seventy Four Kings. I don't know if you've uh, I they just had. I've got you know a couple really really good um, videos over on YouTube, but just some just kind of like a real heavy kind of a funk metal kind of a thing. Because you know I'm I'm 58 years old, but I'm you know I'm 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 trying to talk. You know I'm I'm going in a, two weeks to go see Ghost and Bullbeat uh, about an hour yes. away from here, and trying to convince. I haven't asked my wife yet, but I'm trying to convince her to let me get tickets to go see Slipknot. So that is that's heavy. Um, yeah. Sorry, what did you, uh, you cut out for a second? What was the name of the band? Uh, th that band was called 74 Kings. Yeah, they're from yeah. the Geelong area. Uh, and it's just, yeah, it's it, just have a you know, couple. I haven't seen any new videos. I, they're on Spotify, so I, I've listened to them there before as well. So where, where do you see your, uh, your career um, a decade from now? Are you still involved in coaching? Do you have you know, aspirations to try to coach at, you know, levels beyond where you are right now, or are you, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to push you forward here. Cause you know, you're, you're getting ready to coach your first practice match here in a few hours, but you know, a decade from now, where do you think, where do you see yourself? Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I mean, it's an interesting question. It's um, I think to me, there's probably like some stuff in footy work and, personally that you know um there's a lot of a lot of water to go under the bridge there but I think personally I guess what I dream for is um like I'd like to have you know 10 from years from now like I'd like to have like the financial independence so that I do have like the ability to choose where I spend my time and my resources so okay. I think that's something that's really important for me that I'm sort of thinking about you know how I transition potentially out of even just the employee space into something else and then Things like yeah, coaching and leadership, um, organizational, cultural things that I'm really, um, I guess, passionate about, spent a lot of time in. I think I've got some expertise in those areas. So, you know, I'd like to be spending my time on, you know, more on a daily basis doing those things. And um, obviously coaching is, you know, part of that. And I love coaching. So um, I don't, yeah, maybe that is coaching full time. But um, yeah, maybe that's not. Maybe that's just me. Um, as more of like a consultant being able to, you know, spend the time I want, the way I want to spend it. And I could do some coaching here and then some other facilitating here um, and then helping other people here. I think that's my main, my main drives to try and, you know, find somewhere where I can be yeah, out there helping community okay. and individuals. Um, that's where I feel like I get the most satisfaction and sort of drive from. Okay. Um, which is a big part behind my coach. So yeah, I guess having that like, financial independence to be able to yeah, choose where I want to work in those spaces and not, and not so much be working for the AFL or working for local mm -hmm. government, um, sort of more controlling my own calendar. Okay. I have two, two short questions here for you to wrap up. What is the yeah. worst, what is the worst advice you have ever been given? Worst advice. Hmm. Um, I think the worst advice was probably someone someone telling me um yeah when the when the missus you know when 
when the missus is unhappy, you just try and wait it out and let her come to you first. Um, but I think I did that for a little bit. And I think in the end of the day, I thought uh, communication, <laughs> communication and transparency ended yes. up being the better way to go about it, but um, not, not ignoring her and staying I, away from it. So I don't think the worst advice I got. I've asked that question before. I don't think I'm ever going to get a better answer than that. And, and that's from somebody who's been <laughs> married now for uh, 26, 27 years, 26 years. I don't think yeah. I'm going to get a better answer than that ever there. And what's the, what's the best advice you've ever received? Uh, the best advice. Um, I think, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty generic, but just being, um, just being authentic to yourself. Um, is probably the best advice I've had. Um, so yeah, sorry, it's probably a bit, bit of a uh, cliche but um, okay. I think for me that's just um, what I try and think about every day that's okay yeah so um, Sean I I appreciate you taking time out of your morning here I wish you the absolute best this afternoon as as you go into this season um, yes don't don't let the uh, if there's if there's an issue with your spouse don't let that fester get it dealt with yeah that was that was terrible <laughs> advice that you got. Can I, may, I, may I ask who gave you that advice and do you still talk to them? Uh, it was probably it was probably a 20, 21 year old single guy. Um, uh -huh. So sometimes you be careful where you take your advice. From oh, there. that was yes. That person, that person didn't did not have a clue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Um, <laughs> so hopefully you'll get a chance to return the favor someday, and and offer offer him some wonderful words of wisdom like that as well. <laughs> something along the same lines. So yeah, my guest today has been Sean Bunkle of the Port Melbourne Borough. And Sean, I want to thank you for taking time out of your morning. I truly appreciate you coming on. I, I, I thank you for uh, working around my screw up scheduling wise. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, a lot of great insight. Uh, you know, Tyler spoke extraordinarily highly of you and uh, he wasn't lying. You seem like an absolutely wonderful, wonderful gentleman. And I, I thank you for coming on today. No problem. It was a yeah, pleasure to be here. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed your, uh, your questions and your passion and enthusiasm for the game. Um, I think you're doing a, a great job with yeah, your podcast and trying to expose the game to people over there in the, in the US and worldwide. So keep, um, keep doing what you're doing and uh, let's stay in touch. Well, thank you. Yes, absolutely. I truly appreciate it. Thanks so very much, man. Thanks. And a big thank you to Sean Bunkle for being so generous with his time. And a big thanks to Tyler Ames for helping me get in touch with him as well. Now, ladies and gents, don't forget that you can reach me at my website, ayankonthefooty.com, or by email, ayankonthefooty at gmail.com. I'm over on Twitter at yank underscore on, and on Facebook and Instagram at ayankonthefooty. If you want to follow there, I'm on social media quite frequently, you know, commenting on things related to footy, that type of thing there. So if you want to hop on there, that'd be fantastic. You can also find the podcast on YouTube. Just search out my name, Craig Wessels. Now, if you haven't done so yet, I do strongly encourage you to sign up for the mailing list. You can do that on my website. And when new episodes come out, I will send you a link as soon as that gets published. So it ends up being in your email usually several hours before it shows up on any of the podcast hosting sites. So if you're interested in doing that, you can head over there to do that. And also when I do live episodes, which will be starting again here very soon, I will send out a notification about that to the people who were on my email, email list. I don't send out huge amounts of emails or anything like that. You're not going to be getting five or 10 emails a day from me or anything of that nature. Generally speaking, when new episodes are coming out, is when an email would come out. So I want to thank you for listening. We are fans of our clubs, and uh, deep down, this is a game that we love. And I say this just about every single episode. We're just a few weeks away from the men's comp starting. The women's comp is really beginning to heat up. We've got uh, yeah, some really good clubs that are going to be competing for the premiership. You know, is it Fremantle's year this year finally? Can Adelaide bounce back? You know, how is Aaron Phillips' knee going to respond this week? You know, there's a lot going on in footy, and uh, 
I've just got to be honest with you, I'm thrilled to be along for the ride. And I thank you for coming along for the ride as well. Now, I do hope that you'll consider sharing this episode or your favorite episode of the podcast over on your social media with your friends and family. That would be great to uh, be able to get that information out and get the show out to more and more people's ears. And if you want to do that, that's fantastic. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. And very soon we will have our first preview episode coming out. And it's going to be, if I'm not mistaken, it's going to be the Collingwood Magpies that are going to be up first because that was the first interview that I had conducted. So I hope you'll tune in for that. That should be coming up here in the next several days. This has been episode 130 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on Twitter or to yankonthefooty at gmail.com. I do hope you'll check out the website, ayankonthefooty.com, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search out A Yank on the Footy. Again, thanks for listening, and I do hope you'll share the podcast with your friends and family. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, goodbye.